0: Hello and welcome my partners in crime and thank you for joining me again for another case. As you can see, I'm still in the same clothes because I've got about nine to put out. So I'm gonna have to try and do as many as I can today and tomorrow. So thank you anyway for joining me. I appreciate it and I appreciate all you new people that have subscribed. So as I'm saying that I think if you'd like to subscribe please hit the subscribe button. You can hit the thumbs up button which helps with the algorithm as I've been told. You can hit the bell as well which gives you notifications to let you know when the next videos are coming out and all this sort of stuff and there's plenty coming out over the next couple of weeks I can tell you that. But today I've been dealing with lots of... um, different cases, so it's really important that if you haven't, especially I think for this case, if you haven't watched Christopher Halliwell case, you should watch it, because this is like a follow-on for him now, this Christopher Halliwell nightmare, right, he's a serial killer, he was done for double murder and uh, he targeted young women and brutally murdered them, which he did, right, we all know that, he's in prison for a very long time, life sentence and stuff, for the murders, it took a long time to convict this man of these murders. So I think he killed um, um, Sean, and then he killed um, Becky. Now Sean O'Callaghan and Becky um, Godden, he killed, and he da- he killed I think Becky first in two thousand and three. That's the one we know about, uh, and then in March two thousand eleven was his last kill, uh, and that was Sean. So. This this next case is unsolved, right? So there is, um, this is why I put, it's like four in one, really. And again, I mean no disrespect to any of the victim's families or anything for doing all four of these together. But there's a reason why I am to show you, really, what Christopher Halliwell is really about. Now this is four of many of what this man could have done. So it's a possibility that he could have done these murders, actually it's quite a big possibility. Now when I did Christopher Halliwell's case, it wasn't the case of Sean and Becky, it was about Christopher Halliwell, because of his such serious killer, and if he wasn't caught really he would have continued to kill, so I think um, as you go through this I'll leave it up to you to make up your mind whether you think he is potentially um the real prime suspect really in these murders or not. Um I think with Becky um got she was a prostitute and um, she was a drug addict and she had used prostitution to keep her drug addict going. Now Halliwell was a taxi driver and he knew Becky uh, quite well actually he's sort of infatuated with her. And he um I think how he got called for her murder really was one because they found the shovel in his one of his properties that had the soil substance on it, which now we can determine where soil comes from and everything else, but also because he drove a van and that van had broken down in petrol very close to where Becky's body was found many, many years later. And that's really that helped solidified really solidify his, um, sentence, his, his conviction against her. Plus, because he seemed to have a relationship, or he wanted a relationship with Becky, she certainly didn't want one with him. Um, And um, I think that's why he murdered her, really. Um, And as we go into this next case, of these next four, it's very similar to also one of the other girls within that case. So this is the four-in-one case. This is the, the murders Four women, all linked in some way to Halliwell. So, as I've said, these are four unsolved murders. So there was a witness. This is why one of the reasons why Halliwell is sort of really in the focus for for certain ones of these killings. So Christopher Halliwell drove a white van. Um, this is what a witness was uh, told about the killer, and one of these white vans, or similar to this white van, or very similar, was spotted at one of these unsolved murder sites. Um, so, um, and I think it was revealed as well to link into another one that Julie Finley's naked body was dumped after she had been snatched from the city centre. Now, Julie again was a prostitute. And the first one in these cases is going to be the case of Julie Finley. Now Julie just turned 23 when she was last seen in Liverpool about 11pm on the 5th of August 1994. The next day her naked body um, was found 15 miles away in a field near Rainford Bypass. The new witness said that Halliwell was working in North Wales at the time fitting windows and was living in Alton, returning home to Swindon, Wiltshire, at the weekends. Now, I've just drove up and down from Wales, as many of you know, I do it quite a lot. And you pass Wiltshire and Swindon, and every time I pass it, this man comes to my mind. You know, I said to my sister the other day, this is where this man come from. There's not a lot of distance between Wales and um, Swindon in Wiltshire, not a lot at all not if you drive. So anyway, a witness said that Halliwell was this former cab driver, wasn't he? Uh, And he drove a white D-reg Ford Transit van like the one spotted near Rainford where this body was dumped. A woman calling herself Tina told police that Julie said that she was going to see a taxi driver. Now someone fit in Julie's description. Um, was last seen at 12.30 a.m. on the 6th of August, um, yards from where her body was found. She was arguing with a man, very similar to Becky, actually, Very arguing with a man, um, and she was being forced into a white transit van. Um, so, Julie Finlay was, uh, you know, not going to survive this attack, and she didn't. So, Okay, let's go over the timeline now of Julie. So, she was last seen about 11pm on Friday, the 5th of August, 1994, in Prembroke uh, Place, and that's near the Liverpool Royal University Teaching Hospital, talking to a man next to some railings. She was wearing, um, I think, um, a white t-shirt. They said that she was wearing. Now she was found um, by a 28-year-old computer engineer who had been cycling by on the Saturday, the 6th of August, 1994, about 1:30 p.m. Now these were based, I think, in and I think this was um, this was their starting point of this sort of bike ride that was going to happen. Um, now he says that he found the body, and when he went to the field to really to spend a penny to have a week, he said that she was lying face down, naked, and her head was hidden under some um, brush, you know, bushes and sort of things like that. He also said that he ran back and got a friend to confirm what he had seen. It's quite shocking, you know, when you find a dead body. For some people, they do very strange things. But anyway, then he called the police and he made sure that no one went near that body. He'd done the right thing. Now, he told the police um, that he would wait for them to arrive. But what he did was, and he doesn't understand why he did it, he said he'd just got on his bike and carried on cycling. Um, he thinks he was in a bit of a state of shock, and that's what the police think. And you would be, really. So the police said that they were also interested in tracing this white van that had been seen um, that night parked near to where her body was discovered. So this is what brings Hanywell into it. One, he was close to this area. Uh, Two, he drove this white van and there's descriptions really as well. Um, So about 10 months after her murder, the police were contacted by a man that had said that he he, um, had picked up a hitchhiker and said that whilst they was driving past the place where Julie Finley, the body was found dead, he became highly agitated. So the man said that when he asked the hitchhiker why the hitchhiker explained at the time of the murder that his motor- motorbike had broken down and had stopped in a lay-by near the scene and saw this white man. Now this is what a witness is saying he's picked a hitchhiker up and this hitchhiker is telling him now things. Now, this part of it can be upsetting to some people. Now, he said that he could hear bangs and screaming and screams, I mean, not to scream, screams coming from inside this van. He said that he went over to the van and he opened the rear door of this van. And he saw a young, naked woman who said to him, help me, help me, for God's sake, help me. However, he said that the man then came over and told him that the woman was his girlfriend. And he told him to mind his own business and to go away, which the hitchhiker said that he did. Now, so this information was broadcast to the television programme Crime Watch UK on the 2nd of November 1995, which the police said that they thought the account was true. They're telling you that the man that picked up the hitchhiker, they, the police believe what he said to be true. And the information that they knew about was definitely this man was there because he described as this hitchhiker described a lot about this crime. However, the hitchhiker never contacted the police himself, even after many, many appeals. So the police are then, and you would theorise, wouldn't you, whether the hitchhiker himself was just a hitchhiker and was scared of what he saw, because he didn't report it, did he, to the police or anything else? or whether the hitchhiker was the killer himself. Now, as with Becky's murder, let's go back to this first murder. Becky, he used his van and his van had run out of petrol and he hitchhiked then to get somewhere. Again, that's how he was caught. Again, more evidence towards Becky's murder right near where this body was dumped. Halliwell isn't the most sensible killer when it comes to making sure you've got enough petrol, this, that and the other, to get away from the scene. His mind is clearly taken up with how to kill. Also, Julie was said that she was going to meet a taxi driver, the same as Becky. Becky had a relationship with Halliwell. Julie and Becky actually, I would say, look quite similar. Blonde, but Halliwell I don't think had a preference, to tell the truth. Anyway, the hitchhiker was described as being in his mid-twenties, five foot eight, clean cut, short blonde hair, crew cut. The police added that due to his accent, they thought the hitchhiker came from St. Helens area. It was said that he was going to see his grandfather, in Ainsdale area, and the police said that it's essential that this man came forward, and he never did. No one's ever heard from this person again. If you ask me, because he seemed to know a lot about this murder of Julie, he described the murder to really the person that had given him a lift. Killers like to talk, and I think he put himself in the third person, what he'd seen. I think the man that this man picked up was probably the killer, and it was probably Halliwell. Now, Halliwell was also linked to three other female victims, all of whom were alone and were probably enticed into his car in the city area before being dumped in a more remote location. Now, in the first video, I said that he was very good, he he was, um, you know, he had an encyclopedic sort of brain when it comes to areas and waterways and stuff like that. He knew the land, this man. He really did. He knew his way around. So let's talk about now, um, I think, was it Carol Clark? She was 32. She was picked up from Bristol Red Light District in March 1993 before being dumped in a canal um, at Sharpness in Gloucestershire. It is believed that she either... um, um, suffered a heavy blow to the neck or was strangled. Now in her case, right, the police are not releasing how she died as such because there's some evidence related around that. So they can't release that because they actually get someone for this murder, then that would be used and to sort of help them. So there's a reason why it's not clear on what how Carol Clark was murdered. Police do hold back certain things if they need to further investigation or if a potential suspect comes up, um, so that's why it's unclear. Now Halliwell lived about 40 miles away at the time and had good knowledge of all the canals, as I've said before, he was very, very good um, and he was a narrowboat enthusiast as well. So, the victim of the brother, um, Terry Townsend, said that the family had noticed similarities in a confession between the murders and the killer, and the convictions of Jackie Wines, 35, and the mother, and she was the mother, and she was abducted actually from Bristol, again, very close to Swindon, Wales, all this sort of area, and she was murdered in 1985. So, we're going back a little bit now when we're looking at Halliwell's earlier crimes. Um, Yvonne Fitt was also a mother, and she was found in a shallow grave outside Otley, West Yorkshire, in 1992. Uh, like Miss Wins, uh, Miss Clark um, was snatched from the red light district. So, now let's talk a little bit in depth about Carol Clark's murder. Now, Carol Clark, um, as I say, is strangled, neck broke, a lot of different things. There's issues with that, so that's why I can't go into too much detail about actually that. But uh, her again unsolved over 25 years. First, year, you know these are unsolved. All of these cases are unsolved at the moment. So it was Friday the 26th um, of March 1993 when Carol Clark was last seen on the streets uh, in Bristol, and two days later, some 30 miles away. Um, her partially closed body was discovered dumped on the bank of a canal. She had been, um, well, sort of strangled, I suppose, and that was one of his things as well. But anyway, and um, you know, but years later, this, this case is still affecting a lot of people because, listen, all of these four girls we're going to talk about were prostitutes, okay, but they all had lives. And if there's a serial killer out there and if it wasn't Halliwell, then it's somebody else. You know, we've had a lot of serial killers that target, you know, prostitutes because it's easy or they think to get away with it. You know, they want to take someone's life and they think they're the ones that are the most easiest to do because they're not going to get caught. Who's going to look for them? could be months before anyone notices they're gone. These people have families. You know, they have families. They have lives. It's shocking, really. Um, and listen, the place of questions, several serial killers, to tell you the truth, um, <laughs> in this, because there is several serial killers out there to be questioned, um, and exactly what happened, killed um, Carol is still really a mystery, really, she was literally picked up. So, a brown leather jacket, a black polo neck sweater, denim skirt, blue skirt, A baseball cap, worn on the night, has still never been found. So the killer took the clothing. They took it from her. 32-year-old lived in a flat in Picton Street and worked as a prostitute when she disappeared. So Carol grown up um, with her mum and dad. um, I think it was Peter and Phyllis, actually. It was her mum and dad and she had left home at the age of 17 and began working in a Bristol hotel. She turned then to heroin and crack, and uh, at the age of, really, in her early 20s, she was then addicted to drugs and then decided to really, she had to go and work on the streets, really, just to pay for her addiction. Uh, I think it's the same story, isn't it, we have with lots of these young victims now. You know, when they start hitting the crack and the heroin, it's so addictive. They're going to do anything for that drug, and she put herself out in the streets, and they put herself in a lot of danger. A lot of danger. One by being so intoxicated, I suppose, on these drugs. But you're getting into people's cars that you just don't know. Anyway, it was uh, probably it was an ordinary night. They think for Carol, she was doing her thing. Uh, she put on her out- outfit, and she took you know. She, uh, took out and went out into the streets just as normal as she normally would it was a normal evening for her um, I think the thing is what they, what one of the other girls said about Carol is the car that she got into she didn't actually um, question them she didn't seem to negotiate sort of thing and I think this was the same with Becky as well because she probably knew him now Halliwell was well used to Frequenting with prostitutes, and actually drove a lot around, and he was infatuated with Becky. And um, I think a lot of these people knew him and would have trusted him, as Carol did. Now her murder was highlighted, actually, I think, on BBC Crime Watch as well. The reconstruction was done later that that summer, um, but really there was nothing. There was nothing. There was absolutely nothing. No breakthrough at all in anything. Um, listen, her her dad, I think he was retired from Rolls-Royce, he was uh, an engineer. Um, her boyfriend, Peter, um, and, um, oh, sorry, her boyfriend, Christopher, I think it was. Um, they tried everything to find out what happened to this girl. They never stopped looking to try and get evidence to help her to keep the case out there, to get to know everything. Now, detectives remain determined, even though they were never able to trace Carol's movements really on that night once she really got into that car, that was it, she was, she was gone. So, I think, even though it was never, they have really, the police were never really able to say for sure, Carol's movements on that night, as you can imagine, you know, what she was doing, also a drug addiction, they're not out in your face or in your streets, They're, they're, they're doing what they've got to do but they know that she was last seen on the Friday night. So investigators believe that she disappeared that night and Carol was not murdered until either late on Saturday night or the early hours of Sunday morning. So she was taken somewhere. She was taken somewhere. Um, At the time, her her, her father, Peter, aged 67, said that it wasn't nice, was it? You know, with all these victims, you know, what I call secondary victims, the family members and everything, they are worried about these sort of perpetrators out in the street killing other people because you can't find who did it to his daughter. You know these people are stood out there. That They get really, really upset at that fault and every, um, you know, victim family member that I've ever spoke to has said the same thing. Yes, they grieve. For they want to know about what happened to their child, but on their mind is always about who's he going to do it to next. That's their real fear, these victims, these secondary victims, that's their real, real fear and some find it very, very difficult to live with, one not knowing what happened to their child, but also thinking that it's going to happen to somebody else. So, the detectives, I think, as the years gone on and forensic testing and everything's got better, that they were sort of confident at first, I think she was battered to death, but then, you know, things changed, new techniques changed and stuff, where they thought, no, that wasn't the case, and this is sort of why they're holding a little bit of it back. Um, I think they narrowed down also her time of death, Um, at the time of her death, there was key evidence including forensic samples um, taken, but again, as time's gone on we're getting better with our samples and the more deterioration and stuff that there is, we can actually take such minute samples from. So, they're hoping that someday them samples we will be able to use to, to create a profile, but at the point that's not it. They actually know that she was um, had something to eat also as well before she died. Um, so there was, did anyone see her in a calf, or did someone take her home and cook for her? They're saying in these cases, someone knows something, but they're just not coming forward. Again, out of fear or stuff, but somebody knows something about the death of Carol. So listen, all these cases, there may not be investigations into them now, but there's periodical. If there is more evidence that comes up, if someone remembers something, sees something, new DNA techniques, more testing comes out, you know, where the profile of a killer, these cases are then reopened and looked at, and it's continued, it's, it, they're cold cases, and they're shelved for a while, but they're continually looked over, because we have new techniques now don't we, we have lots and lots of things going on with DNA, and really these cases are all about DNA, they're all about evidence I suppose, aren't they, trying to link Halliwell to certain cases, or trying to, you know, eliminate him from these cases in a way because if it wasn't him, it was somebody else and a DNA profile would prove who it was. Now, if it was Halliwell and there's DNA profiles here, we would either clear him or convict him. That's what it would be. But also, you know, we've had other serial killers now with their serial, you know, with their DNA taken and we could also eliminate them because, there, as I said, there were several working in this area at this time. So, again, there's another one now. We've got Linda Guest. Now, she had many aliases actually. I think she had two homes and she had many aliases. And her other alias was Jackie Wines. So that's why it's wrote like that. But Linda Guest, I think, was her name. And that's um, what's. I think most people um, know her as. Now, Linda, I mean, she was found uh, on a bridal path near Frampton in Cottrell in 1985, so another earlier crime, if it is um, Honeywell. Now, she was 35-year-old, she was a prostitute, again from Bristol area, she was murdered in April 1985, her husband had deserted her, she had three children who had been taken into care, and she often went by this alias, as I think it was Jackie Wynton, she went by the alias of Uh, Linda Guest and others' names, so there's quite a lot here. So she was a bit of a loner actually, she had only one real friend and that was Avril Myers, uh, which she shared a house with, don't forget she's now lost everything. Um, So the night that she was murdered, she had visited April in hospital and then went out on the streets to work, now it was terribly cold. You know, it's Bristol, it's, it's terribly cold, they said that night. Um, but in the town centre, it was quite busy. Um, and it was the badminton horse trials. Again, uh, something was going on that weekend um, around there. So there was quite a lot of people around. the The town was quite busy. So I think she was seen by a few people between 8 and 10 p.m. And at 10.45, she walked up to Bridgecock Road, Um, with one other girl, and there was this red Cortina that was parked on the corner of Hampton um, Hepburn Road, and that's where Jackie lived. The Cortina was parked right there. Now she also got into this car without negotiating a cost or a price. No talking through the window. So she knew her killer. She knew. Now this man, was described as having curly sort of blonde hair. (coughs) And um, it was about at 10 past 11 when Jackie was seen again in the area of Ashley Road in the middle of St Paul's. Now someone saw her getting into a small escort type van at 11.20pm. Jackie was seen walking away from a a van up Ashton Road, so she got out of that van. Now, that was the last time that she was seen alive. Now, it was about midnight time, and there was this carload of these youngsters, you know, all smoking, probably having a bit of marijuana, whatever else they're doing, drinking, sitting there uh, in their car in this lane. Now, they pulled off, it's like a country lane. There's a little track, and they pulled in there, just doing their own thing, minding their own business. Uh, and it was a small village actually this Frampton in Cottrell and it was um, about nine miles away from the centre of Bristol this is where they were parked and they sat listening to this music chinning out doing what they're doing they had no idea what was going on around them at twelve ten a.m. Mr and Mrs Shilton passed the end of the track where these boys were parked they saw a white large transit type van parked yards yards away from the boys. Don't forget these boys are oblivious to it. They're having a good time. The man was described as slim build with blue jeans, a multicolored bomber jacket standing beside his van with what looked like a large white bundle at his feet. Now, <laughs> The Shilton's thought that he was fly tipping. Now, listen, even in them days, we've got terrible issues with fly tipping. In them days, you know, you would think it as well, I would think. So really, you're not gonna approach these people, so they probably thought, we're gonna move on. The boys were oblivious, as I said, and this was now 12.15 a.m. Once the van had gone, they didn't see They did then see this dark Cortina driving up and arriving there. So at 12.20am in the morning, this Craig Halland and his girlfriend, Julie, passed the same entranceway. So now we've had the car sitting with all the boys. We've had Mr. and Mrs. Shilton drive by, see someone in a transit van, have a bundle of something at his feet. Now, the boys have gone. We've seen now this dark Cortina arrive. And now, um, (laughs) these other people have drove past. Now, when they have drove past, they've sort of thought, hang on a minute, that's not just a bundle or something. That looks like a body. So, they've stopped. The Cortina did stop, but then it's turned round and drove off. Now this is the same Cortina that was seen look outside her house hours before. So now we have this body of Linda Guest laying on the floor. The bundle that was next to the man's feet from the van is now a body and it's that of Linda Guest. The people have turned around, seen it, as they've turned around, the Cortina that was seen earlier on in the same street as where she was earlier, has also turned around and gone. They must have seen the body on the road. Now lots of people, right, if you see a body, are not going to stop. If you've got drugs in that car or you're doing something illegal, they're not going to stop. They don't want to be known by the police, they're off. doesn't mean they have anything to do with it, but they never came forward either as witnesses. So, was that Cortina and that white van something to do with these murderers? Is this, all these killings, not just the work of one man? I think this, uh, with this case, you have to ask the question, was there more than one? So, what's the motive here then? <sighs> because she still had... Her money on her, so it wasn't robbery. You know, um, she wasn't an argumentative person. She was actually a very soft, kind person. If they, they ruled out her arguing with a client over money or anything else as being a motive, so the real motive then was that someone had got in their car or their van that night and went out to kill prostitutes because they thought they could, and he did. And to this day, this case remains unsolved. The police still would like to talk to the people who was driving this Ford Escort type van on Ashley Road at 1110. 10. They would still like to talk to the curly haired blonde man in the dark Cortina at 1045. 8pm. But no one, no one has ever come forward as witnesses in this. I think the white van is probably the most important sighting here. This large white bundle the Siltons, you know, saw was likely to be Jackie's body that he was discarding, even though it was in front of, or that parked in front of him, the killer, was this car full of these lads, not oblivious, going to know what was going on. This killer is so blatant that he didn't care. He didn't care. There was witnesses around, really, and he just knew he would get away with murder, and up till now, he did. So, anyway, this white van, the important white van that was dumping this bundle of stuff, which was without a doubt her body. Listen, um, I think it had some damage to the bodywork on it and stuff. Um, it's a real, it is really um, unfortunate, isn't it, that this is now another person, that um, her murder has been unsolved because. It looks like, with what we're looking at, and as I said, if it wasn't Halliwell, if it's somebody else, there is a serial killer out here. Now, Halliwell um, would have killed anybody because he was an opportunist killer. They didn't all have to be prostitutes. And I think, you know, if we've learned things from other cases, is that when you profile these sort of cases that you don't put, you know, if they're not prostitutes, he didn't do it. That's not... Right, because this is what happened with, you know, and we spoke about it before. And I'm going to do his case quite, you know, uh, you know, seeing the the Yorkshire Ripper, um, because he got away with murder for quite a long while because people discarded evidence that other victims because they weren't prostitutes, he didn't do. Um, and he started killing actually quite young, and it attacked people, um, quite often actually hit him over the head. He escalated. Peter Sutcliffe, he escalated and it looks like with um, Halliwell, you know, when he was in prison early in the 80s, when he was saying how many draft kills to to be a serial killer, this man was already killing. He was already killing then. He was just not cool. And as I said, he was really cool, wasn't he? Because he made a mistake with the CCTV when he killed Sean. Um, So it's really important that you don't put everyone in a box when you're investigating a crime, it doesn't matter what the victimology is, you have to look outside that box because killers change their MO because they don't want to get caught. And a victim is a victim, one, because they may have a certain preference, but most of them are just opportunist. If they can, they will. Okay, let's talk about evil fit. Now she was stabbed to death, and a body was left in a beauty spot near Offley. Uh, it was quite a shallow grave, and he was uh, Halliwell was known for that sort of thing. And again, her killer has never been found. this is another uh, unsolved. The final sighting actually of the single "This is from Leeds," said uh, she was this mum, Yvonne," uh, was in Bradford on July the sixteenth, nineteen ninety two. Eight months later, her decomposing body was found hidden in a shallow grave in Norwood Edge in Wood, around six miles outside Otley um, by a man literally picking mushrooms. It was thought that she had been dead for some time, possibly several months. It was established that she had been stabbed to death and her body had been taken to this rural location. Again, old Tallywell loves a bit of rural location. Um, some of these bodies really are, are, are actually most of his bodies are always just found by accident especially the ones that he's dumped in very rural locations um it was established that had been she'd been stabbed to death and that her body had been taken to these rural locations from either leeds or bradford but detectives didn't know um if she was taken there alive or dead so was she, because By that stage, it's very difficult to know. Um, So was she kept somewhere, then murdered and then dumped, or did he take her there and just kill her? So even, um, who was 32 and she was the mother of an 11-year-old girl at the time of her death, and she was working as a sex worker in the red light district of both Bradford and Leeds. Reports at the time said that she was addicted to drugs. It was reported that she had worked as a prostitute in the Mannington area of Bradford and Chapel Town in Leeds since 1981. detective believes that her killer um, stabbed her to death up to two months before her body was actually found so she may have been kept for quite a long time. An inquiry into her death heard that she died from stab wounds to her chest and was probably killed in about the July time of 1992. Her murder again featured on BBC Crime Watch show in 1992. But again, despite public appeals and information, her killer was never found again, or not at all, never. Uh, There was a lot of renewed appeals for information that was issued by the cold case detectives and who's asked for any anonymous callers to come forward. So, in 1992, a caller gave her gave the name of a suspect um, when she called in to the Crime Watch show. The 32-year-old woman was questioned about the death in, in December 1992, but she was released without being charged. Now, at the time, in 2019, the reappeal detectives uh, Chief Inspector Emma uh, Winfield said that Yvonne was, was a daughter, a sister, a mother, and she had a life. And I keep saying this when we go through these cases of prostitutes, that people don't seem interested. But the problem is a killer will kill. And, yeah, they, the only reason they're choosing prostitutes is because, not because what they do for a living, It's because they're easy targets because of what they do for a living. That they believe, and sometimes how society portray themselves to um, prostitutes and things and people that, you know, we don't believe in what they do. It's like we don't care. The thing is, if we don't start caring about people who go missing and who are murdered just because of what they do for a living, these killers, will continue to kill and then they will change their MA from killing prostitutes to killing people who we assume, don't we, as law-abiding citizens, these are innocent victims. All All victims are innocent. And if we allow serial killers to get off, if we don't care about the victims enough to talk about it to help try and solve these crimes. You know, there's a killer out there, a killer of women, really. And in the end, it won't just be prostitutes they kill. And I think you can tell that with Halliwell. In the end, they are so focused on the kill. It's an opportunist kill. You're on your own. I'll take you. They lose that insight. That, that Listen, if he hadn't killed Sean. He would never have been caught. Sean wasn't a prostitute. Becky had been dead years, buried 12, 13 years before they found her body. It was the mistakes he made on camera, this, that and the other in these areas that caught Halliwell or else he'd be still out there. So we must care about every victim, every crime, should be treated the same way. The investigations, the public opinion needs to change. It's not about the victim after they're dead. It's about the criminal. It's about the perpetrator to remove that perpetrator from our society, or else they're only gonna get worse. So many anyway, these have been these four crimes and with Yvonne's mum, and I have to feel for Yvonne's mother. Now she spoke emotionally actually when, with that Crime Watch uh, interview about her daughter's crime because her mother didn't care what she did for a living. This man took her daughter's life. She left her own daughter without a mother. And again, as I say all the time with these secondary victims, their worry is who's next? Who is this person going to kill next? Because they know how it feels to have that loss, to feel that grief, the anger, the frustration of not knowing. But every one of these victims, families, are more concerned about people in society having to be so careful about killers like this out there. And as her mother said, she may never find out who killed her daughter, but she just hopes they they do, for the sake of society, really. So again, Yvonne was brutally killed and she was left without her dignity, this is what her mother's saying. Despite the passage of time, remains committed to getting justice for her family. These police are still on this. they just are been waiting and waiting for new technology to come out, new ways of investigating crime, new ways of forensic detection, which is coming. So if it wasn't Halliwell, and if it was somebody else, you know, many serial killers have got away with it for many, many years. And they're sitting there now, very worried about that knock on the door. And sooner or later, it will come. Because the technology that we've got now to solve these crimes, to go back in not only the victim's history, but in the perpetrator's history, to find them, to link them, through DNA. is phenomenal, really, isn't it? So if you're a serial killer out there, you should be worried. Because sooner or later, you will be caught. Cool. They all are. And I hope, in this case, it either proves that Halliwell did these crimes, or he didn't. And if he didn't, they need to prove who did, because this is only four of many, many, I can't tell you how many to tell the truth. I can't tell you how many. Every one of these people have died a terrible death by the hands of a serial killer. Every one of them, I could be here all day, case after case, after case, after case. Same thing, same thing. Yes, these girls have made themselves easy victims because of their addiction to drugs, which then takes them into the lifestyle of prostitution. And that has gone on for years, years. And it's no better today than it was in the 70s, the 80s, you know, the 60s, it's no different you need to be careful, you need to think about your safety, if you're doing this sort of work. Because serial killers, I've said this before, are out there now, some have never, ever been caught. And some never will be, because if they haven't been arrested at any point, and their DNA isn't on a database, that 20-25 years ago, if they've done their crime since then or been caught for it, then their DNA at this point will not save you and get them arrested. But if their family, their brother, their cousin, their second cousin, their third aunt, their full uncle, has done a crime in the last 20 years, sooner or later it will. So listen, this has been a four in one. Did Halliwell have anything to do with these murders? Probably. The probability is more than 50 50. Is there other serial killers out there? Of course cool, there is. And could they have done it? Of course they could. Of course they could. I want to know your opinion on it. Who do you think done it? So many serial killers around in this area at this time. You know, let me know who you think done it. Do you think the evidence is there enough? Halliwell because you know Halliwell's never going to tell you anything because he won't remember he wanted to make a deal with the police didn't he you know I'll, 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 I'll say yes to Becky's murder but don't come and ever ask me anything again and um, you know don't speak to me again well the police couldn't agree with it and this is why the police couldn't agree with it because the evidence is building against Halliwell to be probably one of the most prolific serial killers this country's ever seen because I think there's much more to this man than these four murders, much more. I think this man has killed and killed and killed and killed and killed. I don't think he ever stopped. And it would be really interesting to find out what one was his first? How young was it? Because his upbringing, you know, from the mother, you know, she, she weren't right. You have a child that wasn't right growing up. You know, when you have a mother that's, putting an iron on your hand and burning your hand and smiling at you, she's doing it. What have you done to this child? You've created a monster and that's Halliwell. He's a monster. There is no empathy, there is no feeling. This is a pure psychopathic serial killer. That's exactly what he is. So this has been a mixture hasn't it of stuff so I, I hope you found it interesting I hope you don't mind that I put all four together in this case and um, I think the next lot of cases coming up are like the Bowman children and stuff like that and they're Australian cases and again they are linked right there's three cases there I think in the in total there's six children that have disappeared and have never been found you know or have been found I think two of them are found you know listen, disappeared without a trace and, again, the same sort of suspects are all through it in these cases. So, they're earlier crimes, they're unsolved crimes, um, and then that will probably be the last in the series of, of, of that. I think I've got a couple of American cases to do on it, and then that will be the last on the unsolved ones for now, for now. Because I say to you I love unsolved. But I love unsolved where there is possibilities, where there is fear is that it could be something else. And, you know, if we all had the money, wouldn't it be lovely to get the genealogist in and go through the DNA and all this? You're talking a load of money. So for now, we can only speculate, if you'd like to call it, on these cases, on who did it. And hopefully the police at some point and the investigators and the forensic teams and everything now that are coming up can solve these crimes and answer them questions for us. So, you know what to do, thumbs up if you've liked it, hit that thumbs up button, Um, you can subscribe, 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 you can um, hit that bell for notifications on the next videos coming out, you can follow us on Spotify, Uh, also this will be on there on the podcast, Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook, so thank you my partners in crime, until the next time, bye bye.